0: Well, welcome back again to Abounding Love podcast. My name is Dave Nelson. On this podcast, we find ourselves in Acts chapter 16. So go ahead and grab your Bibles and open them up there. Acts chapter 16. And just as you're doing that, uh, just to recap, as chapter 15 came to a close, we saw how Barnabas and Paul went their separate ways to move on in the work of the Lord that the Holy Spirit had for them. Barnabas took John Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul took Silas with him, and they went to Syria and Cilicia to strengthen the churches. But we also saw in chapter 15 that there was a big dispute as to whether the Gentiles that had come to faith in Jesus Christ had to be circumcised or not. The church council in Jerusalem determined that it was not necessary to put them under what they called a yoke of bondage, but rather just to give them some advice to abstain from polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. The apostles understood that Everything has now changed, okay? The truth concerning salvation and a life of holiness has nothing to do with keeping the law. It has nothing to do with religion or rules and regulations. We have liberty in Christ. We are free from the law of sin and death because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. We have hope. Of eternity because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ we serve a living and a risen Savior however the freedom that we have in Christ does not give us a license to do whatever we want to do because when we are in Christ we are called to live holy lives we didn't do anything to become holy that was all accomplished by the work of Christ on the cross We now live holy lives only by the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us. So the apostles sent a letter to the Gentiles by the hands of Barnabas and Paul, letting them know that circumcision was not necessary for salvation as they were told by some others. But this freedom from the law did not give them a license to sin or offend others. Sexual immorality is sin, any sex outside of marriage is sin. Idol worship is sin. And if the new Gentile converts were to eat things strangled and and they were to eat blood, this would be offending the Jews around them and using their freedom in Christ in a wrong way by offending others. And, you know, we can't do that today. We can't use our freedom in Christ to offend others. This will never lead them to the Lord. So... We studied. We can go on and on about that topic, but we, you know, we studied all of that in chapter 15. And tonight we find ourselves in Acts chapter 16, and verse one, and it says, "Then he came to Derby and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Now." If you remember, we studied back in chapter 14 of Acts how Paul had already been in Lystra preaching the gospel before. Now he's back, and he finds that his previous ministry there has produced a young disciple named Timothy that was well spoken of in the area. Verse 3 says, Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him, and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in that region for they all knew that his father was a Greek wow okay verse 3 automatically raises a question why would paul have timothy circumcised didn't we just go through all that in chapter 15 didn't didn't doesn't the word of god there determine that circumcision was not necessary for salvation Did not Paul and and Barnabas go to Jerusalem to dispute this very point? Well, the answer is found right there in verse 3 itself. It says, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. You see, Timothy would now be used in the ministry. He would be ministering to Jewish people. And because they knew his father was a Gentile, if he wanted to preach the gospel to them, they would not even give him the time of day. But because his mother was Jewish, this made Timothy a Jew as well. So by becoming circumcised, he would be received by the Jews. Right? Well, what's that make you think of? Well, if you're a student of Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 9 through or excuse me 19 through 22 you know i was just going to read it but why don't you go ahead and turn there first corinthians chapter 9 okay so you're in, you're in acts just turn toward the back of your bible you'll run into first corinthians right after the book of romans okay now keep in mind what we're talking about here okay timothy was now being circumcised. Everybody knew that his dad was a Greek, so they knew he was a Gentile. The Jews would not have received Timothy, but his mother was a Jew, okay? So if he's circumcised, the Jews would now listen to him, okay? Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 19, Paul speaking says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, but under law toward Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. You see, that's love. That is why Paul had Timothy circumcised, so that he could be effective in winning the Jews to salvation in Jesus Christ. It had nothing to do with keeping the law. In Galatians chapter 2, the Jews wanted Titus to be circumcised. Remember we read that on the last podcast? But Paul forbade it. Why? Because Titus was a Gentile already, and he would most likely minister to the Gentiles. Timothy was going to be ministering to the Jews, and Paul had him become circumcised so he could have an open door to share the gospel with them. Verse 4, And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and the elders at Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and increased in number daily. Now, notice there that it says that these churches were strengthened in faith. They were not increasing in number because they had wonderful meeting places or a good children's ministry or a good youth program. They were strengthened in number because they were strengthened in the faith. And how often did the number of them increase? What does it say there? The number of them increased daily. You see, at this time, the body of Christ was not just about Sundays and Wednesdays, two days a week or one day a week. This was their life. They gathered together seven days a week. This was Christianity. They were living the life. They weren't just playing church. Oh, if we would do the same. I mentioned this, too, in in a previous podcast. Open up your home for a Bible study. Gather daily in the name of the Lord. Get together with your brothers and your sisters in Christ and talk about the things of the Lord. But, you know, the body of Christ, the church, and I've said this before, but in many ways we've been lulled asleep by the religion we've created. We have our little God boxes where we do our weekly routines, but this is never what the church was intended to be. And this we know because it's not the church that's presented to us here in the book of Acts, in the word of God. They were breaking the bread together. They were gathering in a temple. They were gathering from house to house. They were praying without ceasing and worshiping the Lord in psalms and spiritual songs. They were taking the gospel to people around them. Do we see that in the church today? Who's knocking on our doors today? In most cases, it's people with false doctrine that are doing it. We don't see the church of Jesus Christ getting out into the community. We're saying one thing and doing another. We're trying to get people to come to our little church churches and and just to build our churches more so we can have more buildings and more landscape and all that kind of stuff. But yet we're not affecting the world around us with the gospel of Jesus Christ. But the early church was. They were doing whatever it took to reach the lost with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all this they did how? They did it by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, and that's what's missing in many cases today. The power of the Holy Spirit. We have a form of godliness, but we deny the power thereof. They were always listening to the Holy Spirit. Let's look at an example of that. Read verses 6 and 7. Now, when they had gone through Phygeria and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. So here we see that the Holy Spirit is shutting doors, and they're listening to the Holy Spirit. But how was these doors being shut? How were they hearing from the Holy Spirit? Well, in this case, we can only speculate, and many Bible scholars have speculated, but I prefer not to speculate as to how they heard from the Holy Spirit. All we know is that the Holy Spirit had another plan. He wanted them someplace else. Have you ever experienced that in your life? Have you ever thought you knew where you were going, but it just didn't work out? If your life is surrendered to the Lord, you can rest in the fact that He knows what He is doing. Be open to the moving of the Holy Spirit. Paul had the door shut on him by the Holy Spirit, but he was about to receive instruction in the form of a vision. Verse 9, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought uh, to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. So they obeyed the Holy Spirit and did not go to Asia. They were rewarded for their obedience and they headed to Macedonia. But a lot was going to happen before they would meet the man that the vision pertained to. The Holy Spirit heard the cry of a man's heart and gave a vision to Paul, to go and preach the gospel to him. And you know, today, the same holds true. The Lord knows the cry of our hearts. The hearts of the lost are crying out for the good news of Jesus Christ, and we need to be obedient to take it to them. Verse 11, Therefore, sailing from Troas, we ran a straight course to Samothrace, And the next day came to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the foremost city of that part of Macedonia, a colony. And we were staying in that city for some days. So at this point, they still have not yet met the man who the vision pertains to. Verse 13. And on the Sabbath day, we went out of the city to the riverside, where prayer was customarily made. We sat down and spoke to the women who met there. So here again we see another gathering place. We don't need a building to gather. There are plenty of parks of parks. There's backyards. There's lakes. There's your house. There's whatever. We don't need a special place to gather. And here there's a group of women that customarily gathered by the river to pray. Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So here we see Paul. He shows up, and what happens? The the Lord speaks through Paul into the heart of Lydia. It says here that Lydia was a seller of purple, and this means that she made expensive garments because the purple dye was very expensive to come by. But now, something's happening in the heart of Lydia. Her heart has been opened by the Lord, and her life would never be the same. But remember, Paul did not see a woman in his vision. This wasn't the reason he came there. He saw a man. You know, but one thing to keep in mind is that when the Holy Spirit is leading you to a destination, You must keep your eyes open to the fact that He also accomplishes great things in our lives during the journey. Don't close your heart to something the Lord wants to do through you just because it's not part of your vision. Or maybe it's not what the Lord has shown you. Lydia has now come to have her heart open to Jesus Christ. Why was she gathered there in the first place with these women that customarily prayed there? Maybe she was searching. Maybe she was looking for something. And now all of a sudden, the Lord has opened her heart. And verse 15 says, And when she and her household were baptized, she begged us, saying, If you had judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. So she persuaded us. So we see that Lydia had never been baptized. She probably, at this point, had never made a commitment to Jesus Christ. She was down by the riverside. She was wealthy. She knew these women gathered there in prayer. Something was missing in Lydia's life. It was a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Verse 16 goes on to say, Now it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with a spirit of divination met us who brought her master's much profit by fortune telling. Okay, so here we have a a young girl, demon-possessed, and being used in a fortune-telling business. And you know, today many young girls are used by this world for the profit of others, and they need to be set free. This girl, verse 17, followed Paul and us and cried out, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to us the way of salvation. So, as you read that verse there, It appears that she's doing a good thing. She was heralding the message of salvation. But Paul had the spirit of discernment and could only put up with it for so long. Verse 18 says, And this she did for many days. But Paul, greatly annoyed, turned and said to the spirit... Notice that he says to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. You know, this reminds me of the fact that we need to test the spirits. OK, because first John four one says that we are to test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Many people are proclaiming things that just aren't the truth of the Word of God. Today, Christianity seems to be chomping at the bit to allow the world to spread the gospel for us through books or movies and such. But as the case with this girl that was proclaiming the right message, the spirit she was speaking from was demonic. And Paul cast that spirit out of her in the name of Jesus Christ, and it's not the world's job to preach the gospel through movies. It's our job, spirit-filled believers, to take the gospel to the lost. Verse 19 But when her masters saw that their hope of profit was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to the authorities. And they brought them to the magistrates and said, These men, being Jews, exceedingly trouble our city, and they teach customs which are not lawful for us, being Romans, to receive or observe. You see, don't be surprised when people that are up to no good begin to lie about you and your ministry. You see, these evil men here, they stirred up trouble for Paul and Silas. But as always, the Lord will have the last word in this matter. Verse 22, Then the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Now, do you remember a few weeks back we studied in Acts chapter 12 how Peter was bound with two chains between two guards, and the Lord sent an angel to set Peter free. Now Paul and Silas, they're in pain here. They had just taken a great beating, and they're put deep within the prison, and their feet are fastened in stocks. But what is all that to God? What are the chains to God? What are their feet being fastened to God? What's the fact that they're deep within a prison cell and well-guarded? What does that mean to God? It means absolutely nothing. If God is for us, who can be against us? If God has a purpose and a plan for our lives and wants us to be somewhere, we're going to be there. Look at verse 25. It says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. You know, I love it when you read about a difficult situation in Scripture, and then the Word of God puts the word, but, there. (laughs) When Peter was facing the death penalty in chapter 12 of Acts, God's Word says that, it says, "...but constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church." And here in verse 25, we see that word, but, again. It says, but, at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. So not only were Paul and Silas completely focused on the Lord, but the prisoners were listening as well. And you know, as Christian people today, we're being watched to see how we behave when troubled times come for us. Paul and Silas could have just sat there and moped since Misery Loves Company, but instead they made a decision to praise him in the storm. And what was the result? Well, look at verse 26. Suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loose. So not only was Paul and Silas set free, So were the other prisoners. And you know, our lives can have an impact on others around us. But you know, this often happens when we ourselves face persecution. The Lord will use our circumstances to comfort us so that we can in turn comfort others. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Okay, so you're in the book of Acts. Go to Romans, then 1 Corinthians, then 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, Let's begin reading in verse 3. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all, Our tribulation. Wow, how much of our tribulation does God comfort us in? All of our tribulation. That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted comforted by God. So what's that tell you? Hey, the hard times that we go through are just times of strengthening. Strengthening. That we can, in turn, strengthen others when they go through those hard times. And and likewise, when someone else goes through a hard time and they're strengthening they strengthen us when we go through hard times. And now Paul and Silas are about to meet the man that Paul saw in the vision, crying out for help. Look at verse 27. Keeper of the prison, awaking, awaking from sleep and seeing The prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. So you see, this jailer was sleeping on the job, and he knew that he would lose his life if all the prisoners had escaped. But Paul called with a loud voice, verse 28 says, saying, do yourself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in and fell down trembling before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? You see, the Holy Spirit was already working in the heart of this man. That is why the Holy Spirit gave Paul the vision in the first place. And now a huge internal turmoil has struck the heart of this man, and he's calling out for salvation. And there is only one way to be saved. And Paul and Silas are going to let this man know what that way is. Verse 31, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved, you and your household. Now, we need to be careful not to read this verse out of context. The context here is that this jailer fell down trembling and asked how to be saved. In other words, he first showed repentance before crying out to the Lord. This statement by Paul should not be received as what you might term as greasy grace or sloppy grace. Salvation is always preceded by repentance. Okay, so you can ask the question then, Well, what about the the thief on the cross? Well, Repentance is a state of the heart. God looks upon the heart, and Jesus is God. So he saw the heart of the thief on the cross. Repentance in the heart of this jailer was evidenced by him falling down, trembling. Paul also knew that the vision had been fulfilled now. The man from Macedonia that was crying out for someone to come and help, then he's right there in front of Paul now. So by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul knew that the rest of the family would come to, to faith in Jesus Christ as well. Verse 32 says, Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. You see, the word of God had to be spoken to this man, and the word of God had to be spoken to everybody in his house so that they would have the opportunity To be born again. Because um, we are born again by, how are we born again? Well, first of all, let's stop right there and say, what does it mean to be born again? Well, Jesus said we must be born again. Go back and you can read it for yourself, but John chapter 3. Jesus said, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So then how do we get to that place of being born again? Well, let's turn and look at 1 Peter chapter 1. So turn toward the back of your Bible from where we are here. And let's look at 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter is right after the book of James. And right before the book of 2 Peter. Okay, But 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23. It says having been born again not of corruptible seed but incorruptible through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So how are we born again? Through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So when this jailer heard the word of God he believed on Jesus and so did his whole household and they were all saved. The word of God is powerful. The gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation, it says in Romans. When we share the Lord's love with people, we must do it with the truth of the word of God. Otherwise, it's just religion. It's just something we've made up. We must study. We must know. We must teach and preach the word of God. But in order to come to Christ, we must first receive the word of God ourselves. And the truth about salvation in Jesus Christ is found only in the word of God. Verse 33, back in Acts chapter 16. Go ahead and flip back there if you haven't already. Verse 33 says, And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now, when he had brought them into his house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So, the same jailer who had been punishing them was now ministering to Paul and Silas. He was caring for their wounds, and he set food before them. This shows how repentant he was, and how he followed the example of love that Paul and Silas showed toward him. Verse 35, And when it was day, the magistrates sent the officers, saying, Let those men go. So the keeper of the prison reported these words to Paul, saying, The magistrates have been sent to let you go. Now therefore depart and go in peace. So Paul and Silas were now being set free. It would be easy to ask the question right now, Why the beating? Why the earthquake? Nothing even happened to them. They were released the next morning, right? Well, I believe the whole reason for all that Paul and Silas had just gone through was to reach that jailer. It was the salvation of that prison guard and his family. You know, we may not ever understand difficult situations in our lives, because our thoughts are not his thoughts and our ways are not his ways. But Paul was not willing to let these guys get off the hook here easy, these magistrates, you know, that are coming saying, let them go. Paul goes on to say, they have beaten us openly, uncondemned Romans, and have thrown us into prison, and now do they put us out secretly? No, indeed. Let Them come themselves and get us out. Okay, so it's just a wonderful situation we're reading about here. You know, the vision that Paul gets of this man, he goes, you know, they have to go through all this trouble to to get this man saved, but they do it, you know, and it causes me to question myself and, and say, you know, what am I willing to go through for the salvation of someone else? Am I willing to go through having to move someplace else so the Lord can can use me to reach someone else? What about you? Are you willing? You know, it's just a good question for us. But now, you know, all this difficult situation, these guys are trying to sweep it under the rug, these magistrates, and he's like, No, let them come. Paul says, No, let them come and get us out. They want us to leave. You know, so what does that indicate to you, though? Let them come themselves and get us out. Well, Paul and Silas, these guys were still in custody. The prison guard would not lose his life for the prisoners escaping because Paul and Silas, and they're, they're all still in custody. But Paul also wants to hold these magistrates accountable for their actions. And the officers told these words in verse 38, it says, to the magistrates. And they were afraid when they heard that they were Romans. Then they came and pleaded with them and brought them out and asked them to depart from the city. You see, Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, and they had civil rights, and these rights were violated. And now the magistrates are scared because it was a no-no to treat Roman citizens the way they just treated Paul and Silas. So Paul and Silas held them accountable for their actions and then they would leave town but they would leave town on their own terms and before they left town verse 40 says so they went out of the prison and entered the house of Lydia and when they had seen the brethren they encouraged them and departed so here's Lydia right she just recently was baptized just gave her just came to the lord the lord opened up her heart and now she's got a church meeting in her home. She's got a group of, group of people there. So they go to Lydia's house before they leave town, and they minister to the brethren that are there. You know, but in this chapter, we've seen the salvation of two people. One was Lydia, who was wealthy, who was at a prayer meeting. So you could say she's a churchgoer. She gathered with a group of women at the river to pray. And the Lord gently opened her heart by the Holy Spirit. The prison guard, on the other hand, was confronted by an earthquake and was about to commit suicide. You see, these are two very different circumstances with the same outcome. Both Lydia and the jailer heard the gospel And believed. People come to salvation from all walks of life and out of various circumstances. But nonetheless, it is the work of the Holy Spirit in the earth today that is turning hearts toward the Lord Jesus. It was the Holy Spirit that forbade Paul and Silas to go to Asia, instead, showed them the vision of the man in Macedonia. It was the Holy Spirit that opened the heart of Lydia. For some, their world needs to be shaken. For others, it's just a quiet work in the heart. So, as you listen to this podcast and you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you must realize that there are people all around you that need the gospel Of Jesus Christ. You work with them, you see them in the grocery store, and they are your neighbors. You have a knowledge they do not. You have the knowledge of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You have the Bible. Study it. Show yourself approved. Teach it. Open a Bible study within your home, in your neighborhood. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people. And for those of you that are listening to this podcast, that maybe you're like Lydia. Maybe you go to prayer meetings, but your heart has not been opened to the Lord. Now's that time. You've seen an example of it right here in the Word of God. Open your heart to Jesus Christ and allow Him to do a work in you that you then can be used, as Lydia was in the kingdom of God, to open her home to, as a place for people to come and to fellowship around the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we continue to see, as we go through the book of Acts, the church in action, the work of the Holy Spirit, the acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, just the Holy Spirit was moving powerfully in the early church. And today, the Holy Spirit can move powerfully through you. But we must come out of our comfort zones. We must come out of our our religious ways, our Sunday morning and Wednesday is the only time where we serve the Lord now we got to come out of that the gospel in order for the gospel to go forward, we need to reach out to people in love that's my that's the intent of this podcast. you know in many ways, this podcast is taught to other believers in Jesus Christ. I'm sure in a large way that's it, but I also know that some of you are listening. That are not believers in Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've grown up your whole life just in religion. And Jesus was on Sunday for you. Or maybe Jesus was on Christmas or Easter. But no other time of the year. Well, my hope with this podcast is that you will grow in the grace and in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that you too will share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Throughout your world, you have your own sphere of influence around you where you can share the gospel. But thanks for listening again to this podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Contact us, write us, email us. And uh, we'll see you when we get together in the next podcast to study through Acts chapter 17. God bless.